welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. Oh, this is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. And always, 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 always love, love. You that love? Yeah, I'm here, love. How you doing today? All right, how you doing today, Will? Uh, you know, let me uh, first start off by uh, sending out our condolences to those uh, young football players from Texas and from Utah that lost their life in that tragic accident the other day. One was like a red shirt freshman, 19, at uh, Texas, and then one was an incoming freshman at Utah, and there was another player that they didn't give his name. So send my condolences, and, you know, then I got to wish Pops a happy birthday today. My father's birthday he would have been 82. Also, my niece is turning seven today. So just, you know, give a little birthday cheer and a little condolences at the same time. There we go. Well, we always like to say we want to get out there, you know. Some, you know, we all worried about accidents that happen with people and all that, you know. And like you say, you know, just to give a shout-out to them. I hope, you know, they have prayers are with them, you know, Glove. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, always. Yeah, well, well, before we get started, you know, I know we got a lot. And, you know, last week for the show, we had a couple questions that we took a listen, but there's one in particular I wanted to get out last week. I want to get out at the beginning of the show before we get to talking about different things. But was a caller named Ryan from San Diego. Uh, it was to you, Glove. It was said, are you a San Diego Charger fan? And if not, why? I know you kind of really want to answer that, but go ahead, Glove. Right. <laughs> of course. You know what? <laughs> seeing, seeing I'm in San Diego, I call myself a Charger supporter. Fan, I'm not, because I'm not a fan of nobody. And let's just keep that, you know, perfectly clear. I don't cheer for nobody unless it's a family member or someone I know. But as far as being a Charger fan, no. I support the team. I wish the team well because I live in the community or I live in the city. But over the years, it seems like when the Chargers build a good team, it's like they trade the team the next year, and then it's like we're always rebuilding, always starting over. And then, you know, they got a a rich history of, you know, treating certain players not too well. So I'm a supporter, but I'm not a fan. So I hope that uh, answers your question, Ryan. I wish him well, as I do every year, but you'll never catch me buying a ticket to a Charger game. And, and matter of fact, you would never catch me buying a ticket to any football game. So that's just the way I am. Well, since we on that with Ryan, you know, I kind of joke with you about, you know, who you, you know. But uh, we, we talked about the one player from Notre Dame. Um, he, I, can't, I can never get his name, Glove. Manteo. Manteo, yeah. Uh, how is he doing right now? I'll start of the camp. Have you heard anything? Well, you know what? They say he's progressing really well. So everything is looking thumbs up for the team. I mean, the Chargers are their team. They're they're always there. But it's like they're always a player away or a play away or a play call away. So in the past couple of years, they've always had a nice defense. And their offense has been kind of up and down, you know, and the defense have always carried them. You know, so what they did this year was they went out and got the quarterback, everything he had asked for being a, a blind side tackle, 
you know, some some receivers and, and an extra running back. So he has all the weapons to do well, and the defense is always, you know, in the in the top categories when it came to being a defense in the NFL. So it's either, you know, go all the way or bust this year because they have everything that they need to be one of those franchises in the AFC West. You know, going on, talked about, um, actually, I keep saying we thought we talked so much, but if you look at San Diego, and I sit there and tell you, you know, there's certain things that we talk about with different teams. I say, hey, you got Phillip Rivers. I think if you get rid of certain people, certain teams, you stop holding on, your team might be better in advance. And I think Phillip Rivers is a problem now. What do you think? Well, I mean, you, know you just said I mean, defense, but do you think he's a problem? Um, I mean, you, you have to look in terms of every year. For the last three or four years, his turnover ratios went up. He's throwing more interceptions, not early in the year, but later in the year. So is he is he not in there mentally, or is his skills just diminishing where we don't want to be truthful with ourselves and say, hey, maybe it's time to move forward? You know, remember, we've had conversations about, you know, before Flacco won the, the, the championship last year. Flacco was, you know – 0-4 or not playing good. So there's always quarterbacks. We talked about Matt Ryan in uh, Atlanta is not playing good. You know, we talked about Tony Romo in Dallas. You know, so, yes, there's quarterbacks out there that keep getting paid, that's keeping jobs, but when it comes to the big games, they're not playing good. And, and I was the first to say last year, I think it's time – for the Chargers to go in another direction. I think Phillip Rivers isn't the answer. He's had enough time to prove himself, and time in and time out, when it comes to the big game, he doesn't show up. So in my eyes, or, you know, and, and, and who can say, well, I can, you know, I'm no one, but I think it's time for them to go in another direction. Do you think some of these teams, like you say, when we say, we sit back and we watch as a fan, or how you want to call it, spectator, but, do uh, you think it's sometimes the teams hold on to players a little bit too long and, and end up hurting the organization? I mean, you know, we looked at, you know, you say Phillip Rivers, and I think sometimes you look at, like, other teams that like players like um, the players, they're lucky, you know, they're like, hey, you know, we either move on in another direction or take what we're going to give. You think teams sometimes hold on too long well? Well, you know, the, you know, the, the, the sad part about it is, and we've had this conversation again, is, like you said, are they holding on too long? I mean, it's hard to change. A lot of people hate change. And they feel, hey, you know what, I'm going to give one more year out of them, and this is going to be the year. And you look up, it's five or six years in, and you're still saying the same thing year in and year out. Now, the other side of the coin is you got to remember how superstitious a lot of these people are. So to make changes when you've invested all this time, money, and energy into them isn't a good thing because it's like you're starting over. It's like I'd rather bust like your boy Jerry Jones in, in Dallas. He he gives Tony Romo more money. He's only won one playoff game. So he's ready. He, he's willing to bust just to prove himself, you know, wrong, as opposed to changing to make it seem like he don't know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think they do hold on to some guys a little too long. Well, well, let's look at that. You say Tony Romo, we look at Flacco, we look at Rivers. You know, there's always the quarterback ones that never become the change. You know, you can see like Antoine Bowden left the um, Baltimore. And I think, you know, wow, you know, you let him go, he's the one. 
But it's always the running back, the uh, receiver, or the tight end, or the defensive player always getting the lead of the team when the quarterback ends up staying, you know. Isn't that always the case? Oh, oh, I mean, well, you, if you look at over the over the years in the NFL, you know, look at look at who's played the quarterback. You know me; I don't have an issue of bringing race into the into the into the fold because that's just the kind of guy I am. Because people like running for race, but you got to look at most of your quarterbacks in the NFL have been Caucasian. You know, now in the last few years, we've seen an influx of of minority quarterbacks being mostly black, but for the long period of time, they were all. They were all that. That was the one position that was held. So, so yes, they had more tenure in the position because of who they were. And for the most part, a lot of them were really good quarterbacks. But now there's a change. The you know the baton and the stick is changing, and now we're seeing other kids. And it's sad if you call it today. Cam Newton's been there three years, and they've got him minimal players. But they're gauging Cam Newton, saying it's this year, or we're gonna may have to think about going in a different direction because they got a new GM in there, and he's looking at what? Andrew Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson, Kaepernick. He's looking at what those those teams did with their with their freshman or rookie quarterback, you know, and so they're thinking that Cam Newton should be performing a lot more advanced than what he's doing because, you know, he's having mental breakdowns and things like that. So here it is. This young man is three years in, and they're talking about getting rid of him already or possibly making a change. Where Tony Romo's had five or six years, he's won one playoff game. You know, so some guys get more leniency than others, sad to say. Well, isn't that kind of what we're saying? Well, you said, Coach, you know, you have the Phil Jackson, you have the Bill Parcell. Going in and coach a team that's on 16 and win the championship, I just like to play like you were saying on Cam Newt. When they get drafted, you know, they drafted to a team that's 0-16 normally. How can you change a program when you ain't got nothing? Am I right, Glove? No, no, you're, I mean, like, again, it's sad to say, think about it. Name name a black quarterback that's got drafted to a top, a top-tier team. You can't name one. Every, every situation that black quarterbacks are put into, they're put into the bottom of the barrel, and everybody wants a miracle. Now, RG3 did great last year because of what they put around him. They went out and got receivers, got a running back, built up, you know, their offense, their defense was a little shabby, but they got them players on offense. Let's think about Cam Newton in Carolina. Steve Smith, which is an un- undersized receiver, that's been his go-to guy. You know, he's had a decent running back and decent players, but he's never had that stretch to field receiver, you know, and, and intangibles on the front line to help him out. You know, now he's going into a year where he just changed off, you know, his offensive coordinator changes. So now he's starting over with a new coordinator. So how much production are we really going to get out of Cam Newton? As opposed to now it's going to be the sophomore season for Russell Wilson, for Andrew Luck, for RG3, and those guys, Kaepernick as well, because he wasn't the starter. He came in. So let's see how well these guys transition in their second-year player. Yeah, you got you got a man too, love, going on that side. He's talking about the last line. But it always seemed like the black quarterback – End up Ken Allen. I mean, look what Steve. I mean, not um, you know, uh, Vince Young when he had that great situation. Tennessee, he took off and did something crazy. You know what I'm saying? Look at Cam Newton. Remember when he was on the sideline? He went crazy on his teammates and uh, tight. I mean, his receiver. Uh, I can't think of his name offhand. He had to say, "Hey, man, calm yourself down." You know what I'm saying? 
but they always can't handle the pressure. I mean, they're thrown into these situations, but they end up, you know, acting the fool. Do you see that? No, no. I just think it's, I mean, in life, things are more magnified than others because there's times Brady wasn't on the page with his receivers. It wasn't blown out of proportion. There's times when Peyton Manning's going off on his receivers or he's overthrowing balls or underthrowing balls and doing whatever on the sideline, but it's not blown out of proportion. Uh, Eli Manning in New York, him and his receivers weren't getting along, but nothing said. You know what I'm saying? So it goes black and white when it comes to that, but if you're not performing up to standard or up to par, then it's blown out of proportion a little bit more. I mean, that's that's across the board. There's times when Philip Rivers in San Diego, you know, he's thrown three interceptions. His receivers and nobody even sit on the bench next to him. So so that happens. You know, that's not a race thing. That's a quarterback. But, yeah, it does seem like from a mature standpoint, you know, Cam Newton wasn't playing up the standards. So now we see him on the sideline sitting by himself or with a towel on his head, which is in good posture. But – he has to remember, you know, the cameras are on him at all times, and he has to stay focused and stay in the game. Well, I like when you say that. When the camera's on you, the spotlight's on you, that's going to end up on a later part of our conversation. Boy, I love you, boy. We're going to take a break, love. This is James Lover and Eric Love. We're loving that sports talk. And we'll come back, we'll finish this about, you know, then we'll get into some baseball. Then we're going to get into our main conversation I can't wait for. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. 
James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Jerry Loving, back with hosting Loving That Sports Talk and co-hosting Glove. You that Glove and Glove? I'm here. I'm here, James. I'm here, Loving. Uh, well, we, when we ended the conversation, you were talking about, um, you know, the, um, the players and um, maturity and all that. Do you think it's harder for them to be mature either in college, trying to make it into the program, or when they get in that Glove? Well, well, you know what? Everything starts from that home environment from from day one, and if the if the ground and and there's a good foundation set, then it then it goes over a period of time. Being if you come from a good environment or negative, and then sometimes you can be from a great environment and you can still you know have clown like issues. So maturity starts at home and it grows over a period of time, and then it develops within. Some people get it, some people don't. And then at a certain age, be it college or in the NFL, we start acting out, you know, with certain impulses and aggressions and things like that. So it's just based on the individual. Well, go on. We, uh, P's on the line. You there, P? Yep, I'm here. Hi, guys. What up, sweet P? Hey. <laughs> hey, P. Well, we kind of talking about, you know, maturity and the players. Um, get maturity and they either have, well, or they have more impression in college or when they get to the pro. And while we go on to that, we can lead into our conversation, Pete. Glad you're here with me. Glove is this Johnny football guy. And it's just oh. very, <laughs> and then, Pete, I'm going to start with you because I know me and Glove argue. But, um, you know, and I said it before, you know, it's a pattern when he first did that in mm-hmm. the team many camp. And the team just keeps clicking on and on. And Glove keeps saying, you know, his age, he's 20, he's a college student. That's got to end until the later I'm saying that, right, Pete? Well, yeah. I mean, I remember me and Glove, we were both kind of on the same page with that. But, you know, but as you remember, we both had even said the coaches and stuff are going to know more about what Johnny was going through, day, you know, on a daily basis, week after week in practice. And based on what his father, like, came out, and now his father's saying there's, like, an alcohol problem, that kind of thing, like we were saying, like the people around him are going to know if that was just a one-time incident where, you know, he woke up late, he didn't make Manning's camp, or is there something else going on? And so now it's clearly that it wasn't just a one-time thing, you know. I mean, this is his dad, like, coming out saying he actually, like, he drinks a lot. So you're right. I mean, with that type of thing, it's not necessarily an age thing. There's also now he might actually have, like, a bigger problem. You know, if you're almost an alcoholic, that's going to affect you no matter what age you are, college, pro, whatever. So it does look like Manziel, like, James, like you were saying, like, this isn't going to – his age isn't going to get him out of this one if he right. does have, like, an actual drinking problem. Glove, I can't wait for this, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this. Please speak, Glove. Pete, you know I love you to death. I, I, I love you, Pete. I love you, but you, you you fell right into his hands on this one. Anyway, you know what? A lot of what you said is true, and I and I agree. But you went to college, Pete. Did you not drink a party in college? Oh, San Diego State. You know, we were known as the biggest party school back then. Yeah, we partied yeah. all the time. Exactly. And so 
I'm trying to come with James to let him understand. It's like this. The young man is 20 years old. He has yet to do anything criminal. He hasn't done anything criminal. He hasn't broke a law outside of having the two fake IDs, which what 20-year-old in college didn't have a fake ID or didn't use a fraternity or sorority brother or sister's ID to get into the party. Everybody did that, you know. So I can't be upset because a 20-year-old is going out partying in college drinking. Is, am I condoning it? No, because he's underage. So that's a whole other issue. Now, as I told James earlier, his dad's coming out with this campaign to 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 market. It's either, oh, I told you guys he had a problem. Now look at how he's playing. But he hasn't played negative on the field yet, so we can't say anything negative from a football perspective because he hasn't done anything to make us think differently. All we're seeing is character issues at 20 years old. What 20-year-old in college with this much notoriety is going to be mature? He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He's not any of them. He's a 20-year-old kid at Texas that just won the Heisman Trophy. Should he not be able to celebrate some? Yes, that's what he's doing. He's having a good time. He's not the old-school quarterback. Think about it. All these young quarterbacks in the league now, we're rocking tattoos. We have a whole different mindset of quarterbacks. So it's not like when, you know, uh, the Manning brothers or Brady or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or any of those guys. This is a whole new wave of young quarterbacks who don't think like the old guys. And we're too old and set in our ways to realize, hey, he's a young kid having fun. Now, the other side of the coin is this right here. If he does well, under all the scrutiny that he's getting right now, he's one heck of a marketing tool. Because now his dad can say, look, even through adversity and drinking, he still comes to play on Saturday, so he should be worth $100 plus million. So I think it's a marketing ploy, personally. But I think we also, I mean, Manziel, you're right. Like, he hasn't committed any crimes other than he's, you know, he's not 21. But I think he needs to realize, like, even though he's 20, what he's doing now, because I'm, I'm imagining he, he's already looking at the next step, going into the NFL. And so I, if I was him, even though I'm 20 and I want to have fun and go out and party and drink and stuff, I would be thinking, okay, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm still keeping myself in shape. The alcohol problem, like, is it going to affect me and teams wanting me in the NFL? You know, and I don't know how that, you know, I don't know if a team will just bypass that, if he can still throw a good ball. Like, are they going to say, I don't care that he has a drinking problem? Or, you know, could that actually affect how he gets drafted, where he lands in the draft? So for him, I would think he would, like, wake up and realize it's not just he's not playing for college. You know, he wants to go to the NFL the next step. Hey. Hey, Ida. Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Hello. Peter. Yeah, I'm. I got. I got to say what Glove said. Pete, I love you. I love you. I love you, Pete. I love you, man. What we saying? And Glove is not getting it. We're not talking about his age, Pete. And we're not talking about because he want to go out and party. What we talking about the pattern that he's doing. And it's from the day one when he missed the camp and he was out drinking that he didn't come. Okay, for a voluntary count, but if you see him get kicked out for tourney, if you see him doing all this, it's, it's a pattern. The pattern is the common denominator. We all know that is 
what's always the, the final number that the same number, and that's drinking, right? And it's right. like going, it's starting to start over. It's like the same thing with um, what we get we get into with the Hernandez. Um, Lawrence said we did not know we would do no. Somebody on that team, like you say, his teammates know he has this problem, and somebody mm-hmm. on them knew that um, Hernandez was doing what he was doing. So his father and them came out, so they know he has that problem. Am I right, Pete? Well, yeah, it's funny because yesterday I saw the clip of Manziel the day after the Manning mess where he messed, where he was like, you know, on the podium saying, oh, you know, I wasn't out drinking, I just overslept. And I'm now looking at him thinking, okay, now whatever comes out of your mouth, I'm not going to believe it. It's kind of like, okay, you've lied to us. So it's kind of like these, these baseball players with these steroids. It's kind of like now anytime Alex Rodriguez has anything to say, I'm looking at him thinking, you are a liar. Like, why should I believe you? So with Manziel, I mean, he doesn't want to also start getting where his credibility is going to also now start being impacted, where, you know, if, if he's telling the truth, if he's just lying every time you look at him. So I just think he needs to, you know, he wants to be drafted in the NFL. He needs to start thinking about, because it's going to affect money. It's going to affect his pocket, where he gets drafted, where in line is he, and which team takes him. And that's going to affect him down the road in terms of his contract and money. Good. Cool. Hey, again, love you. Have Have you ever Have you ever went late somewhere or showed up late somewhere? Yes. Okay, that's all I need you to say was yes. Now he showed up late for some place that he volunteered to go. Not that he had to go; he volunteered to be there. Who benefited from Johnny Quarterback being at a quarterback camp? Johnny Quarterback or the Mannings? Because now they can the market the camp. They can market the camp. Hey, Johnny, quarterback's going to be here. You guys can learn something from the Heisman Trophy winner. The Mannings benefited. The Mannings didn't say nothing negative. It was everybody around that's saying something negative. Now, to my second point, that we heard Coach from Texas come out and say anything negative about Johnny missing practice, game film, not performing on the field, or anything like that, or are we hearing his dad who's trying to, you know what I'm saying, do a smear campaign like, hey, you know what, you've been partying all summer, and this is how I'm taking it. You've been partying all summer. I need you to get refocused now. So let me go in the media and let me say something because I need you to focus on what you're doing. The task at hand is this right here. He's trying to leave college after next season. So he's getting all his partying in at 20. So when he goes to the NFL, he's ready. So I see it as, again, as a ploy to bring him back in. But until I see the, hear the head coach from Texas start complaining or start saying, hey, Johnny's not Johnny's not uh, in his playbook, or Johnny's missing meetings, or Johnny's missing workouts, or Johnny's off target, you know, let me hear something from the coach, which all summer the coach haven't said one thing negative about the situation. Okay, well, no, you're you're right about that. But the other the other side to that is we also know how coaches will cover for their top boys. Yeah. The coach, the coach may yeah. not. We may not hear that from the coach because he's trying to keep his image up. He's trying to like, you know, keep all that quiet so that now media is not just focusing on that week to week when he needs to be preparing for games. So we may not actually ever hear the coach come out and say, um, "Oh yeah, you know, he is missing and doing all this stuff." You know what I'm saying? So, there's, you know, just because the coach hasn't said it, I'm like you. I was waiting to see, like, who else would say, okay, is he missing practices? Is he not? But we may not hear that from the coach. The coach may be trying to keep his boy 
covered. You know, okay, and you, say nothing. We, we got to go to break, but you said a good piece, Paul, because we look at that and look at Hernandez. You never once said, you know, the coach said, hey, Hernandez is a problem. The, you know, two, the other guy from um, um, Boise State, the, the, the receiver that got drunk for Detroit, he was a problem in college, but you never heard them in college say, you know, he was in problems after he got in trouble with the NFL. You have to know that. So if you have a guy that's running your program and bringing you to sell tickets, and you the coach, you gonna shut your mouth and do it as long as he's playing, right, Pete? Yep. Yeah. He gonna he gonna protect them. Right. So what we gonna do? We gonna bring right come back. Pete brought up a good point. Glad that we gonna jump into is that Alex Rodriguez, what he's doing? Because once you lie to us, Pete. Love is always what are we gonna believe, and I guess he lied to Aaron Rodgers. So we'll be right back and we'll discuss that. Hey, Pete, we love you. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, and I'm smiling like it ain't nothing, boy, because you made my day. You know what I mean? is here. <laughs> and always, oh, I forgot Glover. We quieted him up this time, didn't we, Pete? We <laughs> sure did. You there, Glove? What's up, Glove? <laughs> you there, Glove? I'm hanging up. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> uh, well, before we hang up, next week, I'll start next week. I'll be doing a show live every week out of at the office in Crestwood. And next week, we have Kenny Battle. 
Uh, I actually came out of Chicago, played in the NBA, and we had Theo Rattler for the first and second half of the show. That's a big interesting thing to talk about. Uh, so, back, you know. Uh, P, you brought up a good point. I think, you know, me and Glove talked about a little bit. I didn't get to really get into it, but you say once you lie to us, and I think, what is Alex going to do? I mean, he's the only one that's going to fight this baseball suspension. You know, he's going to get his money, but, I mean, should he be banned for life? I mean, okay, to ban him for life, that's kind of, I mean, I don't even know if that's ever happened, like, you know, while they're still playing. I mean, obviously, if he, he's testing positive or something's come up, fine him, you know, suspend him for some games. But I don't know if banning him for life, because what if now, like, say from this point on, he is clean, he doesn't take anything. I don't think that um, Major League Baseball should be able to say, like, a year from now, oh, you still can't play, you know. But he definitely, it sounds like he's going to get slapped with some serious suspensions or something from what's going on. Well. Hey, after what was done to my boy, Barry Bonds, how they pushed him out of baseball, he was never convicted, nor never gave up a dirty test for steroids or PEDs or cream or anything, and everything they tried to do to get this man to confess to, quote, unquote, the steroid use that he was doing after he was forced out of baseball. Now, here it is. Two or three years later, we're talking about Alex Rodriguez, who's already tested positive once. And now he's up on the second scandal with PEDs. So evidently, he didn't he didn't get the, the message the first time he was suspended. Now we're on the second message. Should he be banned from baseball? Who's to say? He's a, a two-time a two-time caught cheater. At what point do we continue to let it keep going the direction it's going? Other guys aren't getting the same chances that the golden boy, Alex Rodriguez, is getting. So what makes him different than everyone else? You know, they're suspending guys 50 games, cutting salaries. He got suspended. Now we're on the second, and he's going to fight it? Well, he has to fight it. Because if he don't fight it, then that cuts his money. And the Yankees are suing. So he has to fight it to try to at least save face. But the question is, should he be banned? Am I... Yes. And you got to look at it. It's not the same offense as Pete Rose, but, you know, they came down hard on Pete Rose. I mean, and what, Pete Rose got what, caught once with a gambler? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I got once for gambler. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Glove. No, I was just saying, yeah, Pete Rose, which was a heck of a baseball player, he got caught once for gambling, and now they're holding this man from going in the Hall of Fame with the numbers that he put up. Is it wrong? Yes. He never bet. He never bet on his own team. How many guys in Major League Sports gamble on a day-to-day basis? Everybody. But yet you're going to make an example out of certain individuals because they don't play the game, and that's what it is with Pete Rose because he don't play the game. He's an outcast. Pete? Yeah, I get that. I mean, Alex Rose definitely tarnish his his ability of getting into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's ridiculous where it's like. Okay, now year after year, the stuff is going on with you. Like we had said before, I think we talked about the whole Hall of Fame thing, where we were saying like, was it just like an accusation? Their names being tied to it, or how they actually started testing positive? And now we see with him, 
And this is just like hoopla. Like his name is being mentioned, like this stuff is real. So I think if anything, if they don't ban him, it should definitely probably keep him from getting into the Hall of Fame. We're not going to know what numbers or what years exactly he, he would have performed the way that he did. I mean, now, again, he's lied. He, he continues to lie to people on their face. We're not going to know and be able to believe him if he was even to say, oh, I didn't start using until this season. We don't know that. So we're not going to be able to weed out the years Alex was on, the years he was not. And my thing is now he shouldn't get into the Hall of Fame. That's my thing. And look, should we weed out um, the homeowner championship that McGuire and uh, Sammy Sosa did? I mean, should they weed out that too? And if they should, then why is it so hard for Barry Bonds to get in the um, Hall of Fame? They're trying to tarnish his um, home run thing, but he was never tested positive. So, you know, go ahead, guys. Well, I mean, I think if we okay, if we do the the Sosa McGuire thing, if we were to go ahead and and weed out that home run thing. The only thing that's going to do is now that means we have to go back and you have to start doing that for Ron. He just won the MVP for NL, what, two seasons ago. So is that going to open the door to where now we have to go back to every year and look at what records, what trophies were won, should we, like, take them out? So I think from this point on, they should really, Major League Baseball needs to make sure, you know, from this point on, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it. But I think if we start, if we go back and do that to Iron Sosa, it's going to open the door, and we're going to have to do it to all the different awards and categories. It's going to be too hard, I think. Well, you know, just like every other sport, baseball was going through a period where the numbers were down. People weren't coming out to the park for whatever reason. So they they made the balls different, made the bats different, and they brought the fences in, and they looked the other way for whatever reason, you know, and that's when all the numbers just went crazy, late 80s, 90s. Now, Barry Bonds was hitting home runs, and he was a four-, five-, six-time Golden Glove and a batting champion before all this happened. Now, let's go back to when uh, Babe Ruth was playing. Half the ballparks back there, he was drunk or he was on drugs, and half the ballpark didn't have fences. So he was hitting balls, and they was rolling out. And they called it a home run. So you're saying where do we go back to or where do we start? We can't. It's just because the transition of the game and the face of the game changed. When Mark McGuire was doing his thing and he had his, his Andros thing sitting in his locker, they kept making a point on ESPN and every other channel saying it wasn't a banned substance. So he broke the record. Everybody was all happy and all cheery. Sammy Sosa came right behind him broke the record as well, but it wasn't an issue. The following year, think about it, Barry Bonds come on the scene. Now, he's a real baseball player. He could swing that bat. He can glove. He could field. He could do it all. So now it's changed. It's not Mark McGuire that's out in front now. It's Barry Bonds. So now, oh, look at his head. His head is larger. Look at how big and bulky he is. Show me anybody that was 20 years old, then let me see a picture at 40, and you'll see the difference in their body structure and development. So if you're going to go back, when I'm saying what I was just talking about, if you're going to go back, you have to go all the way back. You just can't pick and choose when you want to go back to. Because guess what? Baseball is boring as heck. You know, I just went to the Padre game last night. And if it wasn't for alcohol and peanuts, I don't even know why people go out there. That's almost worse. Soccer is the only other sport that's worse than baseball. But baseball, if, if they stop serving alcohol and peanuts, I don't even think no one would go. 
Well, you're right, because back in the years with Sullivan and McGuire, you're right. Like, Major League Baseball, they were, they had people, like, into that. Just for, I remember being at the gym one day, staring up at the screen, the TV was on, because McGuire, the Cubs were playing them, and they kept going back and forth. And it was like everybody was standing around this TV at the gym. I mean, that race that they had going on back then had, you're right, it pulled in numbers, it pulled in ratings. And Major League Baseball, like you said, they knew what was going on. They knew what was going on. Even in the movies they made on the A's, I think they were trying to kind of make it seem where the, the Bass brothers back then, Canseco and McGuire, like they knew what they were doing. So, I, I, yeah, like, James, I just think it would be hard if we go back and start taking the, you know, trying to change one record. It's just, it's just too much we'd have to do. Well, I don't want to jump too long on this because I want to get to talk about uh, NFL training camp, but is it not? It ain't. It's kind of. A, it's not the same category where you would say steroids or drugs, but they took Reggie Bush's Heisman from him, right? Yeah, he did yes. something wrong. Why is that okay? Well, I mean, you have to look at this. Was a and we had this conversation. You have a young man in college. His mom was a sheriff. His dad worked at a high school as a as a, a, a hall monitor. So. They probably made fifty, sixty thousand, seventy thousand dollars a year, which is a good income. You know, good, nice, good income. Now here it is, Reggie Reggie Bush is a sophomore in college driving a sixty thousand dollar car with a fifty thousand dollar stereo system in it and he's sitting in front of Dove magazine. So the rule of thumb is let's think about it. When McGuire and Sosa was doing it, that was the face of baseball. It wasn't an issue. Reggie Bush sitting in front of a cover of Dove magazine showing off this car, it's like a, a slap in the face. Here it is. You're a kid from the inner city but a middle-class family, and we all know that your mother wouldn't spend her whole salary on a car and two salaries to put a stereo system in it, so yet you're going to slap us in the face. Now we go a year later with, with Barry Bonds, whereas everybody was in front of the TV the year before. Now we're hearing about steroids. We didn't hear about it the year before. But now that it's Barry in the race and he's getting closer to that record, every ball he hits is steroids. Oh, it's steroids. Oh, he's on steroids. Oh, he's on juice. Oh, he's on this. Oh, he's on that. They never tell you that. However, the distance, you know, the feet from the mound to the plate, if it's 90 feet, Barry Bonds moved his his mound in to 60, 70 feet. So he gets the same pitches from 90 feet at 70 feet. So it makes his hand-eye coordination a whole lot quicker. It's called training, but people won't tell you those little things like that. Yeah, with Reggie Bush, I mean, that was wrong. I mean, I know good and well he is not the first player, college player, that has received money from the, the alumni or whoever was slipping it to him. It was like for them to take his Heisman. My thing was, you know good and well he is not the first one, okay, who has, who has done that type of thing. So, I mean, I don't think they should have taken it from him. I, you know, I think they were wrong for that, and I think they were trying to make an example of him, and took that, took the Heisman from him, and but I don't, I don't think they should have because I'm just sure it goes on a lot more than we, the regular fan or the regular student, even realizes on the college level how those guys get money on the on the on the under. Well, uh, yeah, you're actually right. I told Glove that today. I said, when is that one? I mean, I was getting money here, that $50, but you know, look at back at that time, that was big money, you know? So just think of the other guys, they was getting, you know? 
clubs like this, Paula, I hate to say it, love must not have been that good because I was getting $100 handshakes. But I'm not gonna throw that out. So I ain't going to say what type of player he is. If he was only getting a 50, I was getting $100 handshakes. But we're not going to go there. But we had the conversation. Okay, Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush get punished. But Pete Carroll goes to the NFL. USC's program is tarnished. He goes to the NFL for more money. Same thing just happened. Oregon's program, they lose scholarships and things like that. Chip Kelly goes to the NFL, gets a bigger contract and more money. So how come it, on one hand, the school's being punished, but the coaches aren't? If the coaches mm-hmm. are turning the other cheek, because there's no coach in a, in, in a D1 program that don't know what's going on if something illegal is going on. He's the head okay. of it. So how is it that the players are being punished and not the coaches? Hey, P, I don't know what kind mm-hmm. of hand Shane Glow will get, but I wasn't playing Monopoly like he was, so he get Monopoly money. So. <laughs> <laughs> he passed. You no, know, he passed um, Park Avenue. They get one dollars monopoly money, so that's why his hundred dollars was different from mine. <laughs> mine is a real president on it. <laughs> you okay, he oh. wants to go there, right, Pete? But anyway, <laughs> I had a real president. I had a stamp one saying monopoly. You know, take a chance. <laughs> but anyway, we gotta get into this. Uh, training camp, you know, and we looked at it, you know, that's a lot of injuries and team expectation, you know, and I, all this hoopla, you know, I just don't see, you know, I'll start off with, you know, in the NFC, um, the 49ers taking that this year. Just, I mean, I think we talked about uh, say you stick in Atlanta. What do you think, P? Oh, so for, are you from just in the, across the whole NFC? Yeah, I mean, uh, I just don't, everybody predicted 49, they got that team and come back and do the same thing. You know, another year tells a different story. Just because of what you did last year, that don't mean you're going to prove What adjustment did they make? Yeah, they brought in Antoine Bowden, but Crabtree got hurt. And Crabtree, I think, was the one that was getting out the other ones open. What do you think, Pete? You know, I think with um, Kaepernick being able to have, like, a full training camp where he knows he's going to be number one guy, he's going to be getting the snaps. So I think It'll be interesting to see him and also Russell Wilson in Seattle second year how both of them do because we've seen before where some guys can come in do very well first more year that second year. This mark I think for the Niners, Kaepernick is our question mark. If he can come out and play like he did last year or even you know similarly mirror that, I think our team will still be at the top of the NFC West. Um, and then once we get in the playoffs, it's like anybody's thing. But I think for us as a Niner fan, it's Kaepernick is our question mark. And then, I, you know, it's our defense also going to be as solid as we've been. But, you know, I'm going with my boys out of NFC. I have, you know, Atlanta, mm, you know, Atlanta's that type of team where, you know, they get to the playoffs almost every year now, the last couple of years. They get to the kind of like Houston where they're now at the point where they're getting to the playoffs every year, but they're not really going forward from that point. So I think Atlanta will definitely make the playoffs. But, again, are they going to be able to knock someone out to get to that level of reaching the Super Bowl? So I still don't see them being that NFC team to represent us for for the Super Bowl. But we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens with them. You know I love you, Anyway. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, here we go. (laughs) No. Anyway, it's like this. You know what? I think all the rookie quarterbacks, being Kaepernick as well, 
I think they struggle this year, being Andrew Luck, being RG3, being Russell Wilson, being Kaepernick. I think they all struggle. Now, do they make it to the playoffs? Yes, I think they do well, but they have more ups and downs than they had last year. My team and my dark horse, because the way Atlanta played San Francisco, they had them at halftime, and then the coach came out and changed the game plan in the third fourth quarter and stopped throwing to the tight end. Well, now in Atlanta, they pick up Steven Jackson, who's a, a more of a threat out the backfield than Michael Turner was. So now you've got a, a double-headed sword with Steven Jackson running the ball and catching out the backfield. So I think that opens up Gonzalez and Julio Jones and the receivers outside because now you got to worry about that running back coming out the backfield catching the ball. So my pick in the NFC, I got Atlanta. And then I had told James earlier I'm going to get it out the way. Houston's been knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. I think this is the year that Houston gets over the hump. So I got Atlanta and Houston. So I'm the you're going with uh, Houston. Yeah. Out of AFC. Okay. Okay. Hmm. You know, out of AFC, one of my favorites, I think, is going to be Denver, the Broncos. I think this year, uh, this is Manning's second year being there. Um, I think they got the little Welker from the Patriots. And, yeah, out of AFC right now, I think I would probably lean towards Denver being probably at least making it to the AFC East championship game. Again, Houston is one of those teams. And, again, it's a pattern where they're getting there, but I just don't know if – I just don't see them being like that that unbeatable team in the AFC. I don't see them doing that. Well, before uh, we did the AFC, I wanted to ask you guys a question before y'all picked that one. You know, we all look at New England every year, and they always find a way to win and make it to the playoff or the Super Bowl. <laughs> what makes y'all think that New England can't do it again this year, guys? That's what I want to ask y'all before y'all pick your NL, your AFC team. What makes you think New England, good as Brady they say is, and the coach is, Belichick is the best coach. What makes y'all think that they won't find a way to make it back? Well, hasn't he? Hasn't Brady? Haven't they lost a lot of their offensive weapons? Like I haven't really kept up with them, like like a lot. But I have seen something where some of their receivers. Well, we know Hernandez; he's not there. Welker's no longer there. Um, Gradkowski or some isn't he having surgery? Like his hand again. So I just think if they're missing so much on the offense, it's. I think it's going to be hard for for them to be at that top of the AFC like they, that they normally are when he has all those weapons lined up to throw to. So for Brady, if, they're, if they haven't replaced those guys adequately, I don't see New England being all that this year because they don't have the, the personnel. Well, they say out of the 11 starters, I think seven or eight of them are gone or hurt or for whatever reason no longer there. So he's coming with a whole new cast. And he hasn't started whining to a to a loud a loud roar yet, but they are whining in New England. So I think the whining finally catches up to him. I think Brady's done. I think he's still a good quarterback in the league, but I don't think they go anywhere as a franchise with what they have because their defense is old and suspect. Now P says Denver, which I think Denver has a good shot, but I think Peyton's the one to keep them from getting over the hump. Also, by losing their sack leader in Doomerville and their number one tackler, and I don't think that Welker and Manning's going to jail like everybody thinks they are. So I think Peyton, just like he was last year, 
he'll be the one to keep her from the Super Bowl. And I'm going to go on record by saying Peyton's going to end up his NFL career with one Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, guys? I want uh, my fault for jumping. Well, I want to apologize to Pete because um, last week um, we are glad we did some um, ask questions from the listener. And I know she's going to be here this week, Pete, so I didn't go in and listen. I can get on the other. I mean, I didn't go in. And oh, okay. Get, no I didn't go in and get the um, question from the other screen, but we'll do it, you know. But um, the other thing is I wanted to talk about that um, Seattle when they got Harvin, and now he's having hip surgery. You know, uh, isn't that a big thing? Because, I mean, they – Wanted him so bad and gave away Buckham first round pick. Don't that hurt right, them? Yeah. And I, did they know he had this problem? Go ahead, guys. Well, I think for uh, for Seahawks fans, I've been seeing a lot of their because the Niners and Seahawks, like in all the sports groups on Facebook that I'm in, a lot of them, it's Seahawks always talking trash to the Niners, and it goes back and forth. And for what I'm seeing from their fans, like once they got Harvin, I mean, they made it seem like okay, now we're set. You know, we're going right. to be at the top of the NFC West. We've got him, now Wilson and him and all this. So to me, I mean, I don't really know a lot about the Seahawks, but based on their fans and the way they've been talking and pumping it up, he was, they were really depending on him. Come in and be able to, like, push them over the top and leave him to the NFC West. Then you have the Seahawks. These guys are also, there's a couple of them who have suspensions for the, the steroid stuff. So I don't, I don't really know if the Seahawks are going to be if they're going to be able to back up all that talk that they're doing, that's my thing. I'm waiting to see it. Well, we got two more minutes, so go ahead, take us out. I'm going to go real quick. I'm going to go quick. Well, you know, the thing they got Harvin for is because they couldn't have a receiver that could stretch the field. Harvin can stretch the field if he's healthy, but you got to remember, he was migraine issues, he was ankle issues, now he got a hip issue. So they're back to square one where they were at last year. Can Tate stand up? But they were looking for somebody with everything they gave up that could stretch the field. But seeing that the head case that hurt his hip now, I think Seattle will be in the middle, but they should make the playoffs. I totally agree with you on that, too, Glove. I thought the same thing. But, guys, you got to tune in um, next week. I'll start where I said I'll try to work it where we all going to be in the same place. So, you know, we're going to be live at, uh, at the office. Uh, it's going to be a great show, guys, with all of us. Thanks to you guys. All right. All right. All right. Have a go. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at Loving That Sports Talk at Yahoo.com. 